welcome to creating wealth through passive apartment investing podcast in this show we will discuss about best and worst experiences about passive and active apartment investing and i am your host ramakrishna let's begin the show today's our guest is shanan rabnage from sri welcome shanan thanks rama glad to be here Yeah, thank you. A little bit about Shannon. Shannon has been in the real estate industry for over 40 years. He has been involved from start to finish on over 200 million in construction projects covering the gamut from multi-family professional office buildings to city halls, fire and police stations, schools, industrial and mini storage. Majority of the Shannon projects are ground up developments. With that Shannon, would you like to add anything to your background? Well, I have to be a little bit honest. I've lived in Idaho for 40 years. I've been in construction for 25, but I do come from a building family. My my dad was a builder. He was a general contractor in Southern California, and then we moved to Idaho in 1980, and my mom has been a real estate broker for 40 years. So, my son is a fifth generation realtor. I'm I had my real estate license for a little bit. So, we've got a lot of that uh, in our background where that's all I've ever done, that's all I've ever known. but uh, i personally haven't done 40 years i look like it <laughs> i definitely look like i've worked in construction for 40 years okay cool so what are the some benefits with construction projects well you know one of the things that i've always done is i have people that the clients that come to me that want a certain thing whether that's an office building that meets the needs of their company or maybe it's a office warehouse or you know they're looking for something in particular that they don't have that, that's not in the marketplace and we're able to create that for them and when we do that we get to tailor it specifically to them so that it comes out just the way they need it or just the way they want it or in the, in the economy we currently find ourselves in I think it's the same way in North Carolina right now but in Idaho you can't find multifamily and so really the only way that you're getting a multifamily product is to build it so it's kind of that concept that we we create the solution with the construction that meets the benefit and the goal of what we're trying to develop in the long run yeah that's cool so what are the some challenges with construction projects everything gosh so right now lumber prices are skyrocketing uh, if it's not lumber it's concrete uh, maybe it's uh, you know shortages from the tariffs from china from you know 3 or 4 years ago there's always problems to solve in construction and i think that's part of why i like it because there's always something else to do there's always another challenge that needs to be solved but the other thing that i really like about the challenge is that when you're all done you're the one that created what's now in front of you yeah so right and what are your target markets and what is the reason shannon Well, I stick in Idaho. Right now, Idaho is arguably the hottest market in the nation. You know, North Carolina is on fire, Texas is on fire, but Idaho has we're getting a lot of people moving out of California and Washington and Oregon right now. They're either going to Texas or they're coming to Idaho, and I've got all the work I can handle in one market. So the beauty of that is I can stay in one market, I can work in one market. I don't have to try and go learn what's going on in North Carolina or Illinois or Baton Rouge I could just work in my market that I've known and grown up in 
Cool. And how is the construction different from multifamily versus office buildings and city halls, fire and police stations from permits, timeline, materials and skill wise? You know, multifamily is its own beast for sure. You know, I had somebody ask me one time, you know, multifamily, it's so scary. Why would you want to do it? It's such a big project. It's, you know, we just finished a 180 unit apartment complex last year and it was a $28 million build. And they were saying, isn't that scary? Isn't that a lot of work? Isn't that a lot of pressure? And I said, you know, the thing about it is you're building the same building 12 times on the same location. So the benefit of it is once you get your system figured out on the first building, it's kind of like a Henry Ford assembly line where you're just producing another building and another building and another building. And it goes along pretty easily where if you're building office buildings, um, every time you go to build a new office building, you're in a different jurisdiction, a different city, a different building inspector, different site. So you've got maybe different subcontractors on the site and you're only doing that particular projects. It's not quite as um, fluid because you're, you know, your scope of work is maybe only $2 million. And then you have, you know, different building materials. A lot of our office buildings are uh, steel and uh, steel stud where, you know, multifamily is usually all just a wood component. Okay, cool. And you have your own uh, in-house team or you work with third party vendors? Well, we have, so we do all the construction management. So we have estimators, uh, project managers, superintendents, all of the accounting, obviously, but we hire subcontractors to perform all of the work. So we're able to, you know, electricians, uh, excavation guys, you know, that kind of stuff are all third-party vendors. Uh, and then they bring their own suppliers with them. So they're, they're providing all their materials and and it really kind of allows us to get good at what we're doing, which is managing the project. We're not trying to self-perform the concrete section of the work. We're, we're not trying to self-perform the plumbing or anything like that. We just, we let those that are professionals at that do that job for us so that we know that we get the best job for our clients and we also get it as quickly as we possibly can. Okay, cool. So what is your typical size from cost and duration point of view? Well, we're finding that, you know, costs are moving pretty quickly with the demand that we have. One of the th biggest problems that we're having right now, and you guys are probably experiencing this in North Carolina, is just the labor force is shrinking. And it's, I don't think it's really that the labor force is shrinking, but, you know, during the recession, not a lot of people went into the trades. We didn't have a lot of people joining the electrical union or becoming heating and air contractors or, you know, going to become excavators. So we have a little bit of a labor shortage still from that because of qualified help. And that's really what I see mostly is driving our pricing. And um, when you get into larger projects, you know, we're getting ready to break ground on a on a $45 million apartment complex and just the excavation contract is two and a half million dollars. And so you're going to have that excavation contractor there for almost a year. And, you know, so you're dealing with longer durations. You want to be dealing with a little bit more, maybe a little bit larger company. So you have some more stability because there is going to be a long duration of the project and you want to make sure that they have the ability to, to complete the project and the ability to, you know, go the distance with you and not overload their schedule or, you know, find another project to go do and, and leave yours. Cool. Thanks for sharing that. And what's your take on construction space during COVID and going forward? 
Well, essentially, or thankfully, we were considered essential services in Idaho. And so we were continuing to move forward. We were continuing to build. But I think more than the construction space, the effects are felt in the lending space. We saw you know, February, March, April, everybody was putting on ice all their projects. And, um, you know, for example, in the Idaho market, year to date through July, there were in one county, there were 800 new houses built last year. And this July 2020 through COVID, there was only 530 houses built. So there was a big discrepancy in what was built. Things definitely slowed down. Now we're back up to speed and we're actually trying to make up ground from not not working at full speed. But for the most part, the construction space didn't have, we didn't find too much of a slowdown in what we were doing. But then again, in in Idaho, we we're at about a three percent vacancy right now, so we're not experiencing you know the San Francisco meltdown or you know some of these others where you know where we've got sinking rent prices and and climbing vacancies. So we're it doesn't matter what day it is, we're still behind. Awesome. Thanks for sharing. And would you share any of your best construction experience so far? You know, that's a tough one. I have the fantastic opportunity to take people's dreams and put them on paper and then construct that. You know, I recently worked with a couple of ladies that had been with the company for about 15 years. And and about five years ago, they were able to buy the company from the previous owner, two high school friends that are, you know, looking to build a a facility for themselves and really come into their own as far as owners and, and being able to take that project and create what they wanted and do it in a timeline that worked for them, do it in a fashion that worked for them and do it for the price that they wanted really was projects like that are really rewarding because you're you're not just building a building you know you're you're building small business you're building you know the cornerstone of Americana and you're really helping people achieve that dream of being able to own their facility being able to you know own their future and so I have quite a few of those experiences that really give me the pride that we were able to build something that was you know was exactly what they wanted and it really got their business to the next level where they're growing in their new home awesome so right basically you're building their dreams of people yeah yeah and would you share any of your worst construction experience <laughs> Oh, there's one gentleman that sticks out in my mind. Oh, Jerry Hughes, and and the project was on Laster Lane, and uh, it was a mini storage. And, you know, the the guy kept changing his mind, and then we had to go back to the drawing board, and then the pricing would change, and Jerry just didn't seem to think we were doing anything right. And uh, I couldn't have been happier when we finally finished that job to be done with Jerry. But, you know, that was a very rare event because, you know, we do projects. We're we're not in the competitive bid market. We are in the design build market. And the big difference with that is that we work alongside our clients. We state our price up front. We get a percentage of the costs. And that really puts the client and myself on the same team. So if we want to spend money in certain areas, we're going about it trying to find the best way to spend that money. If we're wanting to save money in certain areas, we're going about it the best way to figure out how to save the money and still create the look and the feel of the product that they want. And so when you're on the same team, you're always working toward the same goal. And it might be frustrating at times because it's not going perfectly right now, or it doesn't feel like we're going to get the results that we want. But at the end of the day, I really have had a great career in that 
I am, I'm on the same page with my clients 99% of the time because we're really team oriented. And I believe that has a lot to do with the contracts and the way we write our contracts because a cost plus contract puts us on the same team. And it says that I'm going to be the best steward of your money that I possibly can. And we're going to execute in the, in the timely manner. And we are going to do everything we can to spend your money like it's our money. But at the end of the day, construction is not a perfect science. And we are going to do the best we can. But if you'd like to make changes and you'd like to upgrade or downgrade things, we'd be more than happy to help you with that. And so at the end of the day, it's not the client feels like, well, you know, you didn't give me what I wanted and you charged me too much because everything we do is really kind of an open book and they can see what we're charging. And so we don't really, other than Jerry, and I think Jerry was just crotchety old guy, but other than Jerry, we really didn't have too many instances. But one of the things that we found with Jerry was we had to put a new sewer line in and we had to go out into the street and we had to connect the street into the street. And when we got out there, we found a a massive seepage bed that the county had in the street that they didn't have, they didn't have plans for. And we had just this, I mean, this enormous hole in the street. We were trying to figure this out and it was like almost two weeks before we could figure out what was going on with the street and where this this drain field was going. And uh, it was just, it was that, that job was just one thing after another like that on a consistent basis. So it was good to have that one behind me about 14 years ago. Okay, cool. Thanks for sharing that. So what is your current focus and share something you're excited about now? You know, we're pretty focused on multifamily. We've got, currently we've got about, uh, we've got three projects, multifamily projects going right now for about 200 doors and we're getting ready to start another 190. And then we've got about a thousand doors in planning over the next 18 months to start. Uh, so we've gone pretty heavily into multifamily. We do have five uh, industrial buildings that we're building, but those aren't nearly as intense as as the multifamily projects. But, um, you know, we're really working toward getting, uh, you know, becoming more of a, a multifamily specific builder because that's really, really needed in our market right now. So that's been our focus. Cool. So and one advice that impacted you, Shannon? Well, you know, it's multifamily is, is a little bit different animal, but you know, it's, I think it's had a great impact on our company because it's allowed us to get a little bit more specific. You know, when we were doing city halls and schools and everything, we were running around trying to bid against everybody else. And, and we were successful in a lot of cases. And, and then there was, you know, all the paperwork that went with that. There was all the other stuff that's going on. But, you know, in the last two years, I've really kind of brought my focus back in on to developing and building for ourselves and our partners. And that's a lot nicer relationship because I always like me. Even on a Monday, I still like me. And when we're developing those projects for ourselves, we're able to bring life into the communities. We're able to build projects. You know, we're getting ready to start 190 units right across from a big city park. And it's a beautiful site. And I'm really proud of the product we're going to be putting out because it's a little bit different than the market has seen. And it's a beautiful project that we've spent money on in areas that we didn't necessarily need to, but I think the the ROI is definitely going to be there because of the amenity package that we're bringing on. And just being able to see once you're done with creating that, that people enjoy what you decided, it really has a great impact on me because it, it gives me a sense of fulfillment that just building a building doesn't. Cool. Any of your personal habits helping you to be successful? 
Oh my gosh. You've got to stay positive. You've got to have control of your mindset. You know, Rama, as you know, there's a lot in life that can bring you down. We all know people that everything about their life is a negative, even when it could be a positive. And you know, adversity is what makes you grow, but it's your mindset that keeps you growing. And, you know, one of the other things that I've seen, and and I, I think Rama, you can agree with me here, the multifamily community isn't like most communities in the building industry because there's a lot of partnership going on. There's a lot of mentoring going on. There's a lot of friendship that is being built in this industry, in this particular space. And that's not like what you see elsewhere. That's not like what you're going to experience in, in in the, you know, in the bid world of building schools. But when you're working with people that you enjoy and your mindset is in the right place, it's amazing how productive you can be that helps fuel you to believe that you could do more. And I've seen just in my own personal life in the last four years, the more that I dig in on self-development and, you know, positive self-talk and, you know, making sure that I keep my mindset in a positive direction. The more that I do that, the more that I see it keeps getting better and it keeps getting better and I become more self-aware and I'm able to get more done in a day. I'm not discounting myself or I'm not talking smack about myself. I'm really, you know, my belief in myself has always been fairly high. I've been a fairly confident person my whole life, but in the last couple of years, as we have really focused on mindset and what you do with your internal thought process, I've really seen where that has really gotten strong to the point that I no longer have any doubts about what I can do. I now have to actually kind of think about whether or not I want to do it because if I put my mind to it, I know that I can. So I don't have to convince myself of that, but that comes back down to the daily habit of not letting doubt grow in your mind, not letting, you know, discomfort or failures from the past to invade that because it doesn't matter who you are. We've all had our struggles. We've all had our failures. And if you're going to dwell in the past, you're always going to be defeating yourself before you get the opportunity to try again. And so I've just really found that a positive mindset and and surrounding yourself with people that want to see your success, that want to see you grow, that want to partner with you, that want to help you has just been an amazing thing that the last couple of years has really, really driven that point home. That's so powerful. Thank you. Thanks for sharing that experience. So any one book that impacted your life and what way? Looking back on my life, you know, one of the things that I was talking with a guy yesterday and we talked about in our business, it's not whether or not you fail because we all have failures in our businesses. We all have mistakes in our businesses. And I think one of the things that I would go back and tell myself, relax, you're going to fail, you're going to fall down, you're going to make mistakes, you're not going to get this perfect, don't beat yourself up so much. It's okay to, you know, take yourself to task over things that you maybe knew better, but making sure that you're you're giving yourself the ability to, to look at every experience as a learning experience, not just something where you failed and you're an idiot and I don't know why anybody would do go go into business with you. I mean, how can you be so stupid? That's the kind of stuff that really isn't good for you personally. It isn't good for your mindset. And I would tell my younger self that, hey, you know what? We need to go into this with the thought process that we're going to make mistakes and we need to reach out to those that are older and wiser than us to help us not have to make all the mistakes ourselves and take some lessons from the people that have already done this. Cool. So how are you giving back to community? 
You know, we're getting involved. Uh, we're involved with several charities. We love being a part of Habitat for Humanity. Obviously, we're building houses. They're building houses. You know, the last project we finished, we had some leftover lumber. So we made a, a donation that was enough lumber to build three houses. And, um, you know, we like to be involved with our community because, you know, in a growing community, we make our money off of making the community bigger, off of growth in the community. And we like to make sure that what we're doing, um, we're also partnering with the community to create the goods and services for people that need the help at the same pace that we're bringing people into the area. And so it's really been, it's been an awesome experience to be part of Habitat for Humanity to see where we can partner with them, where we can get involved with them, and we can have that as our goal to be able to you know, one apartment complex, yeah, three houses. That's a great offset. Yeah. So how can listeners can connect with you, Shannon? Well, as you know, Rama, we're all over the internet, but if you go to LinkedIn, I'm just Shannon Robnett. I'm on Instagram at Shannon Ray Robnett. If you go to myverticalequity.com, you can see our projects. That's kind of a fun one. That's our website for uh, our funding arm. But we've got some live cameras there so you can see our job sites and you can kind of play them backwards and and have a little fun seeing what's happening in our world day to day. But um, myverticalequity.com or shannonrobnet.com. Those are the two ways to get a hold of us. Okay. Thank you, Shannon. Thank you, Ram. I appreciate you uh, having me on the show. If you like the show, please subscribe, share, rate, and review. And if you want to connect with me, please send me a message, info at ushacapital.com. Thank you for listening. Creating Wealth Through Passive Apartment Investing Podcast. I hope you learned something from the show. See you in the next episode. Thank you. Any information provided from these shows are educational purpose only. As always, please consult with your own CPA, legal and financial advisor before investing.